Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Three Peas on a Pod podcast. We are not alone today. It is Austin, myself, and one special co-host, the Honorable Reverend Seth Coward. Brother Seth, welcome to the podcast today. The meek and lowly Seth Coward. Oh, I'm sorry I got you confused with Mark White. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a pleasure to be on the pod. Speaking of Mark White, I, I don't hear him. He's not here. We tried to schedule him in, but you know he's above that. He's not. Uh, he, he wasn't willing to rearrange his schedule to be with us. He is off doing his thing, and so we had to just join without him. But we look forward to having him in the future. He'll be back, I'm sure. Sometime. Well, at the time of this recording, he's probably sitting down at a dinner table, fellowshipping and eating. He well, probably is. The last thing I heard him say a while ago on Marco Polo was, I just ate myself to death at Woodgrove Buffet. I think I almost sinned, and I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, boy. Brother yeah, Mark. That's Brother Mark. Hey, what you say can and will be used against you when <laughs> Brother Austin is your friend. <laughs> Oh, so I don't, I mean, I don't know. Did he even make it to Kids Crusade tonight? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, Brother Seth, I have a big question for you. All right. Deep, theological, doctrinal. You ready? Oh, boy. For everybody to listen. Do you still iron Uh your hankies? Do I still iron my hankies? Well, uh, the scripture says that they that endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So um, I'm going to run this race with patience all the way to the end, brother. Yeah, of course I am. I think. You know, this is something that has not gotten old. We was, uh, <laughs> brother Seth and I was at a revival a couple months ago, or not a couple months ago, and even that long, last month, I guess it was, or earlier this month. And uh, I don't know when this podcast is going to be released. <laughs> So anyway, it was in September that we was in a revival and Brother Seth was preaching and he'd done a wonderful job, by the way. But he had purchased some new hankies during that time. <laughs> and it's a setup. And uh man, they was they was Mark and Austin was eating him up again. And I had to jump back in and you know, we just had to stick together on that subject. Yeah, he even got hankies that had C's on them for Cowart. That's crazy. There you go. (laughs) It's bad when he's on pole and he's like, I got to let everybody see this C. They'll think it's for Cowart, you know, while I'm preaching. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, deal's a deal. is a goodwill treasure find. (laughs) Got to have fun. What's the point in living life? By the way. Hold on, I had to clarify. Those were not used hankies. Those were brand new. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good clarification. <laughs> that would be pretty rough. Yes. Uh, have you been? Have you ever been one that would buy used shoes? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be too high or nothing, but oh, I just that's just one thing I, I just couldn't do. I've never. 
I don't think I've ever bought a pair of new shoes. I mean, used shoes, but um, if if I, but I always do look when I go to the thrift store because you never know when you'll. I've heard some folks finding a like a pair of Allen Edmonds at a thrift store in mint condition, so you never know what you'll come across. Well, we was talking about some stuff today, and the topic came up of awkward church moments, more specifically on the topic of offerings. And so one of the first things that comes to mind is, you know, every church is different. And that's one thing we was discussing. And for those of you that don't know, what we're talking about is we have a Marco Polo group entitled Four Peas on a Pod. And that's me, Zach, Seth, and Mark. And, uh, and so today, I didn't get on it for a couple hours, y'all. And I had 46 polos to catch up on, and I still didn't catch up on those. And I had over 50 to catch up on. <laughs> I mean, they's blowing it up today. And so I don't know how many polos that group went today, but it was a lot. But we had a blast. It's fun. We have a lot of fun. So awkward church moments, specifically offering. And the first one comes to mind is, you know, we was, every church is different. The layouts are different. Services are ran different. And everybody prefers different things. And some folks, most of the time, you know, they might take up the offering before you preach. And then sometimes they announce what it is. That's always kind of awkward. Like, hey, this is what we took. This is how much he's worth. Let's see what he does. And uh, and so, but then there's those churches, and I'm not throwing off on anybody at all. Everybody's different. But when they take up the offering after you've preached, and then you mm-hmm. get it, and it's like really low, you're like, oh, man, that was terrible. <laughs> I've done terrible. Everybody thinks I've done terrible. And you beat yourself up all night long because they gave yes. you like $30, and you're like, oh, man, this is, I didn't know I preached that bad. But uh, we were were talking about awkward church moments, and Brother Seth brought up offering. And I'll share one more, and then uh, y'all can take it. And uh, have you ever been – I know you've been to church, and, you know, we live in a cashless generation. And a lot of times when I was working, I didn't hardly ever have cash. Now as an evangelist, I have cash quite a bit. I try always to keep – try to keep some cash um, for offerings and giving ties back and whatnot. And uh, but a lot of times, you know, you you don't have cash because we're so used to cards and paying bills online. And you're in that church service where they give the little kids the offering plate. You know, they're just doing their job, and they're walking around, and you're sitting there at the end of the pew, and you know you don't have no cash. You know your wife don't have no cash, <laughs> and you're just sitting there. And I never carried a checkbook, and this has happened to me before. And that little kid just comes, and he just stands there with the pan, and he just looks at you. And you're like. Go on, go on, go on. get, get, I ain't got nothing. You know, you're like, I'll make, I'll make up for it next time. Just get, get out of here. And then everybody's looking at you like, he didn't put nothing in the offering. I mean, man, that is awkward. I heard somebody the other day say, uh, when you're giving in the offering, they said, when you're giving a big bill, you, you, you drop it from up high, you let it fall. <laughs> when you got them ones, you stick your hand way down in that plate. I tell you what, old George is used more than anybody. I thought that was so funny. That is funny. There's an art to giving. I love what uh, Brother David Miller talks about them Hawaiians that give. I should have had Brother Quentin that uh, came on here talk about that. But so they come in here, and if you can't give, they get in line. They go up there and they touch the offering plate and bless it. If you can't give, he said, and they shout all the way to the offering plate. And uh, he said they really rejoice. But anyways. Wow. Well, I have um, I have a, a, a personal 
personal struggle with offering time. Well, I'm not an evangelist anymore. Uh, but when I was a full-time evangelist, the, the offering time, you know, what do you do when you know that the money is coming to you, you know? And so it feels like everyone is watching you, looking at you and your family. And so, you know, if you, and you better if you not hang look, your you head, try your best not to look at that offering plate. Right. Yeah. You, you don't want to look, you, you don't want to look like you're just so pitiful. So, so if you bow your head, you appear like you're too needy or you, or you're praying, Oh God, please let it be a lot of money. We're in a bad shape right now. So you can't bow your head <laughs> when, when that's happening. And if you try to, you know, you keep your chin up and your head up and, and, and have this, this air of, of thankfulness about you, you maybe even lift your hand. You can't worship either because then it lo- looks like you're, you're greedy. So what do you do? It's just, it's always just been an awkward time, but, I'll tell you what is awkward. It was when I was preaching my first revival. I had just answered the call to preach, and I had um, an opportunity to preach at a church. I'm not going to say where, but I will say that there was this uh, elderly lady in the church that was always used to, re- to receive the offering. And let me tell you quickly about her character sketch. She was faithful for many, many years, a very holiness-looking lady, and she gave a lot to the church. She retired but kept working, and the, her check she drew from her job, she gave to the church until it was paid off. So I thought a lot of Sister Margaret. But the only thing is Sister Margaret had some growing in grace to do because she loved to dip snuff even in church. <laughs> so if you got too close to her, you're going to smell mint uh, in her breath, and you'll see snuff running down the, her aged wrinkles on her chin. I mean, it's just it – ever it never failed. It was going to be there. But um, she was a character. It never failed. Every time she received the offering – she would pass the pan right before my face and just wait there, knowing that I'm the guest preacher. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give in my own offering. That just looks awkward even more. So I just politely shook my head no at her like, you know, I don't have nothing to give. I'll tell you, she stuck her tongue out at me and walked <laughs> past me like she is extremely disappointed that I didn't give to the work of the Lord. <laughs> Oh, that is hilarious. Oh, And the bad thing is that's not where it ends. By the end of that revival, there was a night where Sister Margaret wasn't able to come. And so um, there was no one else there who were physically capable to receive an offering. So the pastor called on me to grab the offering pan and receive my own offering. You should have just done pledge pledge auction right there. (laughs) <laughs> so we got a great need in the house That's how many right. give a hundred how many give a thousand right now i know some of you could do it <laughs> oh. oh boy oh that boy that, that, that could be awkward yeah that's the awkward moment i'm sure i have a a story that goes right along with this um years ago it was it was uh i'd say eight years easy eight years ago um the FGBI came down to our home church in South Carolina on ministry. And I'll I'll never forget that Sunday morning, 
the instructor, which I remember his name, but he may not want to be associated with my foolishness, so I'm not going to call his name. But he was preaching a great message that Sunday morning on desiring the Holy Ghost. I don't know if that was his title, but that was his subject. And after he builds his foundation and uses scripture, you know, we need to desire the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then he uh, he might have uh, made an error. If he didn't make an error, then he, he he it was a lapse of judgment because of what poor boys will do. So here's what he did: after building a foundation on the uh, desiring the Holy Ghost, he pulls out a fifty dollar bill out of his wallet, <clears throat> and and he said, "I'm." Uh, he, first he said. Uh, you need to desire the Holy Ghost more than you desire money. And he said, I'm going to give this $50 bill to the first one that'll take a lap around this church. Well, I didn't hesitate, Brother Austin. I was broke, broke, broke. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, don't, I, don't, I think it was, yeah, it was before we had kids, but I've never made a whole lot of money. So it, it doesn't take much for me to struggle, right? Right. So I was like, money's involved. I'm going to obey the Lord right now. And so I got out of my pew and I just went to running around the church. But the only thing is there was this young lady, which was also is also a member of the church. She was also a contestant for the blessing. Okay, and so she goes to running and she she kind of took a shortcut and so and i was like oh man i can't let her beat me out of a blessing so i had to take a shortcut for, uh, and jump through a pew and i had to do a tuck and roll deal in order to grab the 50 dollars. but i got the blessing and uh that that right there uh that'll show you really what you're willing to do for a blessing when you go to church are you willing to do whatever it takes for a blessing <laughs> <laughs> really brother says yeah yeah financial blessing but did you get a spiritual blessing no no i did not get in the spirit let me tell you um i didn't i didn't get in the spirit during his preaching and you know what the other contestant she sure didn't get in the spirit because i beat her out of some money <laughs> <laughs> and don't ask if I did all that stuff the night I was baptized in the Holy Ghost because I, I, it might be a different story. <laughs> yeah, that was the night you had to give fifty dollars. Yeah, it, it's definitely gonna. It costed me the night I I received the Holy Ghost. But boy, uh, if, if you're gonna put money as an illustration when you're preaching to uh, to uh, newlyweds, you better know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That is really funny. <laughs> so you can you can call that uh, uh, you can call that the fifty dollar flip because I did a roll I did a tuck and roll deal to get to that money first and you know it, it, this is a very self deprecating story I'm not proud of it we're laughing over it but it, I was young it was very foolish of me and um, I wouldn't do it going back but hey you know what uh, it makes for a funny story today does, that is funny. Does. That is very funny. Mr. Lennon Johnson wrote that song, What Would You Do for a Healing? What Does It Mean to You? How bad do you for all you've been going through? Tear off the roof, break down the walls, 
<laughs> do a flip. That's right. <laughs> what are you willing to do for a breakthrough? We need a we need a fifty dollar bill right now. We need a breakthrough. <laughs> so was that fifty dollar worth it? Was that fifty dollar bill worth anything? Did you get anything out of all that struggle? Well, uh, besides a funny story, uh, it helped me pay my bills. <laughs> I, so, was, I was just wondering if there was something like took that 50 right after that, just God taking it back for your carnality. Oh, no, no, no. I will tell you, I was, uh, I, I, I had to, to trade some of my dignity for that blessing, you know, because anytime you receive something from the Lord, you can't have pride. You got to give up your pride. So. <laughs> There's no pride involved whatsoever. That was a, a silly move. But so are you waiting for it. the day that you can do that and try to embarrass somebody else for some kind of revenge? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, I think uh, I think I'd leave uh, Mammon out of the the picture. All right, brother Zach, you're very silent on your any of your. Uh, feedback on this i'm just listening i'm taking in the good stories yeah brother brother zach's an assistant pastor so he's the one that makes it awkward on visiting preachers <laughs> yeah he doesn't he hey, doesn't ever feel that awkwardness pastor. i'm not the only assistant pastor on here yeah you got me there you got me there <laughs> so brother seth when you first came on here if i'm not mistaken you was an evangelist then you came on again you was a pastor and now you're on again your assistant pastor what's it gonna be next time bro oh i am in virginia to stay are you gonna be a song leader next time or a deacon or are you gonna be the janitor well an assistant that's pretty much they might be both of those <laughs> there you go that's funny. I just now thought of that. You've been a lot of different positions on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to go through you yeah. go through and look and it's like with evangelist Seth Cowart, with pastor Seth Cowart. Now it's gonna be with <laughs> assistant pastor Seth Cowart. They're gonna be like, Man, this guy can't make up his mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know that's uh it, the past two years has really been um nothing but a huge transition. It's been very yeah, uh, circular. And um, so we have now that we've uh, been blessed to this to serve under Brother Bill Prescott. It seems like it's the answer to all of the questions we've had the past two years. Transition is never fun. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's long. But God always has a plan for you, even though we don't understand why. And that's a great segue, Brother Seth to our topic that we're going to talk about today, and that is trusting God. More specifically, trusting God when He's silent, trusting God when you're walking in the dark, trusting God when you have no idea what's going to happen, when you are looking for answers but living with questions, when life is just a big old question mark and everything you do, you're just, you're just walking in the dark. And I tell you, that's what a lot of the ministry is. The, the definition a lot of times of the ministry, especially um, evangelizing, you're, all, you're always walking in the dark. And there's one thing that the ministry will teach you, and that's trusting God. But in any walk in life, being a Christian, you've got to trust the Lord. There are so many situations that we go through just as the children of God. 
that we have got to trust the Lord. It don't matter who you are or what you go through. There's going to be a time in your life where you're not going to know how it's going to work out. You don't know what the end result's going to be. And you're just going to have to put your full trust in the Lord. And my mind goes back to Peter when he was walking on the water towards Jesus. And we are so guilty of that. He was he had his eyes on the Son of God. He said, if it bid you, if it's you, bid me to come. And he said that amazing word, come. And he came towards the Son of God, towards the Master. But as the storms came and as the storms of life comes to us and the waves are, are crashing in and the sounds and the, and the lightning and the thunder and just everything and just the way it is in life, a perfect picture of our life, what do we do? Our human nature, we want to get our eyes on everything but the one who stills the storm. We want to put our eyes on everything but the one that can take care of it all. And Peter, as he began to sink, had to cry out, Lord, save me. And he did. He saved him, and they went back to the boat. But that story, he didn't, he didn't have to start sinking. He could, have went, he could have kept his eyes right on Jesus the whole time and walked straight back to the boat. He didn't have to start sinking. And another, another point of that story I've often thought about is the boat should have been empty. When the Lord said, come, they all should have jumped the boat and ran. And sometimes we got to get out in the boat and trust God, even... When it means crazy, walking on water, it don't make no sense. But God is a God that sometimes don't make any sense. Just like when they said Lazarus is dead and he abode there two more days. But I don't have time to talk about that. But a lot of times you just got to walk in the dark. Walk in the fog. And as one preacher said, the fog is the favor of God. Wow. Well, to piggyback on your uh, reference of storms in the Gospels, uh, in Mark chapter 6, you remember the storm where Jesus came walking on the sea, and they supposed it had been a spirit. You know, uh, the storm in their life, if I could just uh, use, say it like this, the storm had disoriented them to where they could not see the Lord clearly. And it troubled them, and the Lord, he revealed himself in the storm. He said, be of good cheer, it is I be not afraid. And, and oftentimes God uses the storms to give us a greater revelation of who he is to us. And that uh, Mark chapter six goes on after he got in the boat with them and calmed the waters and, and calmed the storm. Uh, verse 54 says, and when they were come out of the ship straightway, they knew him. And ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. But what I really want to highlight is verse 54. And when they came out of the ship straightway, they knew him. And I, I don't want to stretch this too far, but I wonder if Mark, the gospel writer, wrote it just like that for a reason. They knew him better since the storm. And uh, Jesus made one of his greatest revelation statements. We know we're familiar with that throughout the scriptures. It is I, I am. These, all of these uh, points to the bush revelation to Moses uh, of Yahweh. I am that I am. And a, a gospel song comes to me that uh, Jim and Melissa Brady sing. And I want to take a moment to read these lyrics because I really believe it would minister to this need right here of walking in the dark. It's, I know him better now. Well, today I find myself overwhelmed with life again. 
a familiar road I've walked before and just as dark as it was then. But this time something's different. God's peace is deep inside. His strength is coming over me, and I'm understanding why. I know him better now than I ever have before. I know him better now, and I've never loved him more. There were times I walked this very road, and I know I had my doubts, but today my faith is strong. I know him better now. You know, the funny thing is we often pray against the very things that God uses to reveal himself to us. The Hebrew boys would never volunteer for a furnace. Jonah would never sign up for a whale. The children of Israel would never ask God to be stranded in, uh, at a peninsula surrounded by water and an angry army from the from Pharaoh. But all of these things have uh, uh, all of these things is what God used to reveal Himself to His people, and so. Uh, one more scripture, and I'll turn it to Brother Zach if he has something, is what David said in Psalm 119 and 71. He said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. You see, there's some truths we'll never learn until we go through something. And there's there's a revelation of God that is reserved only for those who are in the dark. Yes, sir, that is correct. There is a, uh, a special, um, there's a there's a faith that comes with that after the trial, after you've been through the trial. Your faith is stronger. There was a, a young woman by the name of Ann Steele, and she had been through so much in her life, one disappointment after another. Her mother died uh, when she was three years old, when she was 19. She suffered a, a severe hip injury that left her an invalid. And eventually she met a, a boy and they fell in love and were engaged to be married. And the day before her wedding, day before they was to be married, her fiance had had a horrible accident and drowned. And Ann Steele later wrote a song and she wrote in that song the words, Father, whatever of earthly bliss thy sovereign will denies, accepted at thy throne of grace, let this petition rise. Give me a calm, a thankful heart from every murmur free. The blessings of thy grace impart and make me live to thee. There is a certain level, like I said, of faith that comes when you go through trials and you are find yourself trusting God with full abandon. You give everything to God. You give all to him and nothing held back. And trust in God when it doesn't make sense. Trust in God when you don't know what's going on. Abraham, the Bible said, he staggered not at the promise of God. He trusted God with everything in him that God was going to bring it to pass. I'm going to give it another quick story, and I'll turn it to Austin. I read a story uh, earlier this week um, about a, a man. He had just been discharged from the military. His first name was Robert. I can't remember his last name. But his first name was Robert, and Robert was discharged from the military. He was walking home. He lived outside of Chicago, a little a little ways outside of Chicago. He was hitchhiking for a ride, and it, a black, he said, sleek Cadillac come driving by, and he thought, there's no use to even put my thumb up for this. There's no way this vehicle will stop. But he did. He put his thumb up, and sure enough, the Cadillac pulled off the side of the road, picked up Robert, the soldier, the just recently discharged soldier, 
threw his bags in the back. They got in and the driver asked him, he said, you out for good, soldier? He said, yes, sir, I'm headed home for good. They began to talk and he told him, he said, my name is Mr. Hanover and he owned a large enterprise in the city of Chicago. He said, I'll take you all the way home. I'm headed back to Chicago. So the soldier was a Christian and he felt like God wanted him to witness to this man. So he began to witness to him about the Lord. He, he wrestled with it for a little ways. They got about 30 minutes from his home. He said, it's either now or never. So he witnessed to the man and the man pulled off the road. And Robert said, oh, no, he's going to kick me out. I'm 30 minutes from home. He's going to kick me out. I'm going to have to walk the rest of the way. But when he pulled over, he began to cry. And he got saved sitting there on the side of the road. He gave his heart to God, a very successful businessman. And he told Robert, he said, this has been the best day of my life. And Robert led that man to the Lord, that businessman. That man took him on home, dropped him off. Five years later, the soldier had started his own business. He had got married, had a child, and he was headed to Chicago for a business trip. And he looked up Hanover Enterprises. He pulled out the business card, looked up the business in the city, made his way over to the to the building and asked if he could speak to Mr. Hanover. They said, well, there's no way you can speak to him, but you can speak to his wife. So they called his wife down to the desk. The receptionist did. And he began to talk to his wife and she said, did you know my husband? And he told her the story of how her husband had picked him up as a hitchhiker, just being recently discharged from the military, headed home, how he had led him to the Lord that day on the side of the road. His wife began to bawl and squall and shake. He, she said, I prayed for him for years that he would get saved. He was not saved. She said that was on May the 7th. She said, do you know? He never made it home after he dropped you off from your house. He died in a car wreck, she said. And I thought that God had not kept his promise. And I never knew that he got saved until today, five years later. So I just said, told that story to say, you can trust God. You can trust God even when you don't understand, even when you don't know it. Trust God because God will not fail. That's exactly right. He is faithful. You can trust him. You can trust him. First Peter 4 and 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though something strange has happened unto you. And you go to looking up that scripture, and what stands out to me is it said, Think it not strange. And that phrase there in the Greek means don't be surprised. And then it says as though something strange has happened to you. And that there in the Greek means it's no accident. And so as Peter's writing this, he says, Beloved, don't be surprised concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though it's some kind of accident. But he said, but rejoice in so much that ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings because he uses the furnace of suffering to remove the impurities of our lives to make us usable and effective for God. And a lot of times God needs to test us to trust us. And uh, we learn in those times, those hard times, to trust him, just like we do with our spouse. It's in those hard times when all you got, you and your spouse, boy, you, you learn to trust each other. You learn to lean on each other in those hard times. And that's the way God wants with us, a relationship. If everything was great, great, and great, and splendor all the time, there wouldn't be a level of trust there. And uh, I tell you, we are not chosen in the palace, but we're chosen in the furnace. And that's what Isaiah said. When he said, Behold, I have refined thee, 
not with silver, but I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. I'll tell you what, sometimes we go through things and we don't understand, but God uses it for a testimony. He uses it to help us. And one thing comes to mind and uh, back when we was, uh, we was evangelizing and we was getting ready to have twin boys and we came home in March of 2020 and we all know what happened in 2020, but it really hadn't happened yet. We came home to have twins and then everything shut down, nowhere to work, nowhere to uh, to preach, and my old job couldn't take me back because everything just shut down. I don't know what we was going to do, and I'm, I'm quickly getting through this, but I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to ask not one person for one penny and not a feather in my cap or anything. I'm just I'm just independent and call it pride or whatever. I'm just, I wasn't going to ask nobody for nothing, not my church, family, nobody. I said, the same God that's took care of us this far on the road and paid our bills is going to take care of us now. And I didn't, I didn't know what we was going to do. We needed all kinds of stuff for the twins. We was home, didn't have a whole lot of money in the bank, probably about three weeks worth, and I was done. And it looked like we, we was going to be home for several months having twins. It wasn't just because of COVID. And it was bad. I mean, it was bad. And we went, uh, we went week after week with no income, zero money coming in. I mean, zero. And we didn't have just probably $1,500 in the bank, somewhere around there. I don't know what we was going to do. And I got to praying and fasting and begging God for help. And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm sitting here recording this podcast, we share addresses with my mother-in-law. And she started getting the mail. And we started getting letters from people all, all around the country. And I think it come out to eight or nine different states. And we started to get letters in the mail. And in those letters, they were checks from God's people. And I've testified about this all over the place because I promised God I would. What a miracle that it was for us and, you know, new babies on the way and everything, groceries, just all kind. It was just piling upon me. And I was walking in the dark and trying to trust God and felt like everything was falling apart. But I'm telling you, those checks, people would write down. And if you was one of them, I thank you right now because uh, they would say, hey, we know you're having twins. We know you can't preach. We know you can't work. Here's a love offering. And I'm telling you, it for about eight to nine weeks, check after check after check, some of them multiple from the same people just kept coming and kept coming. It paid all our bills. It bought the clothes for the twins. It bought them uh, form or uh like bottles and formula and uh, a twinsy pillow. And I don't know, all kinds of stuff we needed for them twins, plus our bills and everything else. And I needed to be with my wife, and I couldn't even get a job because everything shut down. And God supplied our need. And I learned through that that we can trust God. And, you know, it took like about eight to nine weeks for me to get a steady income again. And you know what? I told my wife, I said, when this steady income comes in and the first check came, I said, I'm going to send all the rest of these checks back because I don't think that's right. I'm not double dipping. You know, they think I'm not working and now I'm getting an income. So I'm going to send it back or let them know I don't need it. And as soon as I got an income steady, all the checks stopped. All the checks stopped. And I'm telling you, God knew right where I was at the whole time. Yes, I was walking in the dark. Yes, I felt like the heavens were brass. But I'm telling you right now, you can trust the Lord. Yeah, we can trust the Lord. And our perfect example, Jesus Christ, shows us uh, his humanity on the cross. When in his darkest hour, quite literally, when the sun was eclipsed, and the land was filled with darkness, the Bible says. What did he say? He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
He didn't call him father. Notice that. Of course, he represented our sin. And so the fellowship was broken. But in that darkness, he he questioned. He he was he had a question, you know, and sometimes our darkness can confuse us and make us feel that we're separated from God. And but in his darkest hour, uh, when the sun, if I could say it like this, the S-O-N was eclipsed in the darkness of the sins of the whole world. It was right on the precipice. It was it was just before dawn when the day star would rise, when Jesus, the son of God, would rise in his most triumphant moment in the single most greatest revelation of God in world history but besides the creation is the resurrection of our savior and and look at what what uh preceded that great revelation of god it was darkness it was loneliness in gethsemane it was god where are you and why why am i here why am i alone and then god showed himself so you can trust the lord and you can look to jesus because he, he can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to be in the dark and ask, God, where are you? So you can trust the Lord because morning is coming. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen to that. That's exactly that right. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. <laughs> That's right, brothers. Well, take us out well, of here, I'm brother really, Seth. Yeah, let's, let's uh, go ahead and finish up pod here well you appreciate you having me on the two peas on a pod plus one and i've enjoyed the silliness and the seriousness and i appreciate everybody for tuning in the three peas on a pod of life I've run The Lord says to me, my child, well done There will be no regrets for me, I'll